If you were here this morning, uh, you heard in the announcements and I shared that starting a new series tonight and it's entitled, We Can't Lose with the Weapons That We Use. I have a question for you. How many of you like to lose? You like to lose at board games? You like to lose? No. Does anybody in here like to lose at anything? Not really. Even if you don't have a strong competitive nature, it's not really in us to, oh, yay. We lost today. Oh, yeah. Pastor said he would like to lose weight. Well, hey, we like to lose in that when it comes to that. But normally people are not excited about, yay, I can't wait to get home and tell mom and dad that we lost today. And when your kids were playing or something. No. God created in us, I believe, the nature to want to win. So none of us like to lose in life. And because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to. Isn't that good news? Because he always causes us to triumph. He won so you and I can win in life. Certainly there's battles that come. Has anybody ever faced a difficult situation? Anybody ever been in a fight? Well, the Bible says that we're in not that kind of a fight. We're in the fight of faith. And the fight of faith is a good fight because what? We win. We win every time if we'll stand and act upon the word of God. The Lord Jesus is our example of being a winner. The Lord Jesus is our example of triumphing over anything that the enemy brings our way. He had to overcome a lot of stuff. The devil led him out into the wilderness, tempted him, but Jesus overcame. What about dealing with religious spirits? That's probably the worst thing to have to deal with. And they were always harassing Jesus, but he always won. He always triumphed. And in the biggest battle of the ages that has ever been, Jesus was the last man standing. I like this scripture years ago. I did a whole message based on that. The last man standing over in Job 19.25 out of the NIV. It says this. I know that my Redeemer lives. That's good news right there. I think we ought to just say yay. Our Redeemer lives. Our Jesus is alive. There's lots of religions in the world, but none of their gods, little gods, are alive. But our Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. He is alive. And then it goes on and it says, And that at the end He will stand on the earth. So Satan, in the battle of the ages, he thought he was the one. That one, when Jesus died on the cross and descended into the regions of the dam, and he was kept there for three days and three nights, and the enemy was having a party, but it was a short lived party because we all know what happened on that third day. On that third day, up from the grave, he arose. With a mighty triumph or his foes. Hallelujah. He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. Our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer was the last man standing in the battle of the ages. And because he arose and because he got up, you know what? You and I can get up from anything 
that may temporarily knock us down. We don't have to stay down when the problems and attacks of life come. We can get up because Jesus got up. That's good news. I like this scripture in Micah chapter 7 verse 8 in the Amplified. It says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, what? Read the rest with me. I shall arise. Let's read that part again. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Read this with me. When I fall, I shall arise. And then it goes on to say, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. The devil was rejoicing in hell when Jesus died on the cross. He thought, oh, he's down for the count. But no, he fell temporarily, but he got up. Hallelujah. And then I like how it says, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. It was the glory of God that shone into that pit of hell. It was the light, hallelujah, of God that shone into that deep, dark pit. And it raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, where does it live? It lives in us. That same light, that same light that raised him from the dead. And even when it feels like we are knocked down for the count, we can derive encouragement from this verse. When I fall, what's going to happen? I shall arise. Glory be to God. And then it, it and when I'm in a dark place, the Lord will be light unto me. Hallelujah. We cannot lose with the weapons that we use. I'm looking at a room full of overcomers. Amen. 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 Winners. Glory be to God. Let's just take a little bit of time here. This is kind of the introduction to this series. And let's look at the description of Jesus whooping Satan. Satan got a whooping that he'll never forget. And I love it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 in the Amplified. God disarmed the principalities and the powers that were raged against us. And he made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in the cross. Let's just look at this a little bit. The Bible says that Jesus disarmed the powers raged against them. Today, Pastor Mark, if you weren't here, you need to get that message and listen to it. But today, one of the things he said was that Satan walks around seeking whom he may devour. But he cannot devour those who are in the secret place. And that's us. We learned about that today in the 91st Psalm. He can't devour us. He's not, he's been whooped. Hallelujah. And I want to add this, that the Bible does say that he roams about 
as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But our Jesus pulled his teeth out. And all he can try to do is gum us to death. And nobody that I know of has ever been killed by a lion with no teeth and no claws. Jesus has taken away his roar and his bite. Hallelujah. Now that same passage, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, in the passage translation, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, I love this, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Woo! I think we ought to shout on that one. Woo! Ha 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 We're talking about we can't lose with the weapons that we use. And this tells us right here. Why is that? Jesus not only gave us weapons, but he stripped every weapon and every spiritual authority away from the devil. Glory be to God. His days of ruling and reigning over us are done if we will enforce the defeat That Jesus won for us. Is the devil going to stop bothering us? Absolutely not. Is the devil defeated? Yes, but we have to know he's defeated. And he is, we'll give him credit for this. He is a persistent cuss. So we have to know who we are in Christ. And we got to know how to take authority over his attacks. But I like, I love this passage in the, this uh, passage, yeah, passage in the Passion. It's awesome, isn't it? It said Jesus made a public spectacle of him. He led him and his cohorts around as prisoners in a procession or parade. And I love this. They thought they were, he was their prisoner, but they were his. When they had him in the pit of hell. They thought, we got him now. Oh, not so. Not the end of the story. And it might seem like you're in a prison right now. It might seem like the devil has you boxed in on every side. But it is not the end of the story. You are not his prisoner. He's yours if you only knew it. And if you would only rise up, amen. And that one part in there, it talks about that Jesus stripped away from him every weapon and the authority and the power to accuse us. The Bible does say that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But there's a big but there. But Jesus stripped away. The power of those accusations. When he comes with accusation, the blood cries out. 
mercy, mercy, mercy. The blood cries out. They're forgiven. Hallelujah. The blood cries out. Their sin is washed away. The blood cries out. Everything they've ever done is in the sea of forgetfulness. So when the enemy comes to accuse us before God, day and night, he's no match. His accusations, his power of accusation and his power of condemnation has been stripped away by the power of the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful? The blood speaks louder than his false accusations and his condemning ways. Amen. Jesus is our great high priest who ever liveth to make intercession for us. And Jesus is a commander of the Lord's army. Yeah, you're in the Lord's army. And when you're in the Lord's army, he's a good commander in chief. What kind of a commander or sergeant or general in the army would we, would it be that says, okay, you've joined the army today, tomorrow, we're sending you to the front lines, no training, no idea how to use a weapon? Well, the answer is bad. That'd be a really bad commander and leader. But our Jesus, oh, he's the good shepherd. He's a good commander. And he has given us his wonderful, instruction manual on how to live an overcoming life. An instruction manual on how to use the weapons of our warfare. It's up to us to get familiar with the manual and know how to use our weapons. Our weapons are not natural carnal weapons. But the Bible tells us they are mighty. You want to see that? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Get in the Amplified. For though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, using mere human weapons. I love that. Next verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical Weapons of flesh and blood. But what are they? They are mighty before God. Then how it reads there for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. You know this, we say it a lot, but our weapons are not physical. They're not flesh and blood. They're not natural things. And a phys- it's not about being physically fit. Even in this battle called life with the enemy. It's good to take care of our physical body. But a bodybuilder that can lift 500 pounds. But is not a born again believer. Doesn't know his rights and privileges in Christ. Will be whooped and defeated by the enemy every single time. But on the other hand. A 95 pound Grammy who knows the word and knows her God given authority will win every time. It's not about physical strength. It's about 
inward strength. It's about the spirit man. The Bible says the strong spirit of a man will sustain him. Hallelujah. It's not about what's going on out here. It's about who lives in here. The greater one lives on the inside of me. He's greater than any problem. He's greater than any sickness. He's greater than any attack of the enemy. These weapons that we have, they are not carnal, but they are mighty. Our mighty God has given us mighty weapons. We need to know our weapons and we need to know who our true enemy is as well. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It's a good chapter to read and we'll just highlight this little bit here in verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Hmm. Really? We don't? No, we don't. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These two passages that we just read here in Corinthians and Ephesians were both written by the Apostle Paul. And his emphasis here is we don't have people or not, flesh and blood or not, our enemy And we don't have flesh and blood weapons against our enemy. He's emphasizing here. It's not a physical fight with physical weapons. People can and do yield to the devil and act just like him. Could I get a witness, a show of hands? Not that you are acting like the devil, but maybe you know somebody that has. Anybody know somebody that has? People can And do yield to a wrong spirit. And they do act like their father, the devil. Particularly those that are not born again. Then I don't recommend that you walk up to a co-worker that's harassing you. And spewing out a bunch of, of bad words or whatever and say, you're of your father, the devil. That might not be a good thing, particularly if it's your boss. I wouldn't do that. But the knowledge that people yield to wrong spirits. And that's why they act the way they do. That gives us insight into what to do. What do we do? We take authority over that wicked spirit that's operating through them. You don't have to do it to their face. Go in the bathroom. Go in your car. Whatever you have to do. And say, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I know you're influencing them and causing them to act that way. And I use my authority right now. I'm saying that every tongue that rises up against me, you show to be in the wrong. You condemn it in the name of Jesus. And those accusations, those lies, that harassment stops now in the name of Jesus. That's a weapon of our warfare. We can bind up the devil. And even though those people, when, you know, they may still be under the influence of an evil spirit, but you can say, not in my presence. 
Not when I'm here. When I walk in the room, the greater one walks in with me. And when I walk in the room, the atmosphere changes. Because where I go, he goes. And you evil spirit, you got to yield to the greater one. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have that kind of authority. We have the weapon of our warfare that is mighty through God. Amen. So let's talk in detail now. We'll go into the first weapon that we want to talk about tonight. And it is the word of God. If you have your Bible, I want you to hold it up. This is just part of what Pastor John, not Joel, John Osteen, his father, used to say this every time he'd get ready to preach. And he'd say, say this, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. That was just a part of what he used to say. But that's honoring the Word. The Word of God should be precious to us. And whether you read it on your iPad, your iPhone, I don't care where you read it. Read it. Meditate upon it. The weapon of our warfare, one of the most powerful weapons of our warfare is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the Word of God is what? It's living. We serve a living God. And He has given us His living Word. The Word of God is living. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This word is alive and it's active and it's powerful and it's sharp. And if you'll meditate on it and get it in you, you'll become sharp. As a matter of fact, let's say this right now. I'm quick. I'm sharp. I'm bright. I'm a major blessing and I'm good looking. That's what the word will do for you. Look into the mirror of the word. You want to really find out what you look like? Don't just be moved by what you see in the natural mirror in the morning. That can be frightening. Look in the natural mirror before you go out of the house. Please look in the mirror. But then also look into the true mirror. The mirror of the word of God and say, okay, I've got my hair in place. I've got this happening in the natural. I'm going to look into the mirror to make sure my spirit's charged up and ready. For the day, and I'm going to see myself who as I really am a born again, new creation, overcoming child of the living God. Amen? Amen. Why do you think this is just one of the passages? There's others. I didn't want to have too many scriptures tonight, but there are others that talk about even in Ephesians chapter six when it's six when it's talking about the armor of God. It says, "Take unto yourself the sword of the Spirit, which is what the word of 
God. Why do you think that the Bible refers to the word as a sword? A sword is a weapon. And what are we supposed to do with this sword? We're supposed to chop the devil down to size with the word. What do you mean? How do you do that? Well, let me just give you an example. What happens when he comes and he says, you're not going to get your healing this time. Take the sword of the spirit. Take the word of God and say, aha. Yes, I am. I don't have to get it this time because Jesus already got it for me. First Peter 2, 24, who himself bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes I was healed. That's taken the sword of the word of God against his lies. How about this one? The enemy comes and he says, no way are you going to win in this situation? Are we supposed to sit down and cry and say, you're right. It looks so terrible. We're not going to come out of this on top. There's no way then we, that we could win. No, find a scripture that covers your case. Find a scripture that counterattacks his lies. How about First Corinthians or Second Corinthians two fourteen? I'm just quoting these, so they're not on the screen. So just listen. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. When He says you're not going to win, oh no, 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 that's not true. I'm going to thank God because He said He always, in every circumstance, causes me. To triumph. All sorts of lies come against us. How about this one? Has anybody ever heard this? You're not going to be able to pay all your bills this month because there's more months than money. What are you going to do with that? Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How about this one? The enemy comes and he says, you know, this relative died young. That relative died young. I'm going to take you out early. Well, we have, we heard a wonderful scripture today. Psalms 91 verse 16. With long life shall he satisfy me and show me his salvation. That's how we use the sword of the word of God and chop him down to size and combat his lies. This is another beautiful scripture about the effectiveness of the word of God. Everybody okay? I've only been preaching 26 minutes. Y'all still here? All right. First Thessalonians 2, 13. In the Amplified, it's kind of a long scripture, but it's worth reading. And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you receive the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of mere men, but as it is what truly is the word of God. 
which is, everybody say this, effectually at work in you who believe. Then I love this part. Read this last part with me. Exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it. Woo! This wonderful word, even though it was written by men inspired by the Holy Ghost, it's not mere men's words. This is the Holy written word of God. And when we believe it and exercise our faith in it, it is like superhuman power at work in us. Divine glory be to God. Divine revelation. Divine inspiration comes to us when we meditate on the word of God. When we trust in it. How many of you trust in the Lord with all of your heart? And lean not unto your own understanding. Well, we ought to have that same kind of trust in his word. It is not from mere men. God is not a man that he should lie. If he promises things in his word, then we can say, Whew, I'm exercising my faith in that. I'm going to take that. That is going to be like superhuman power. Supernatural power works in us when we take the word of God. The psalmist David, he knew a lot about the importance of putting the word of God into our heart. I found so many scriptures in Psalms and I want to just highlight a few here. Psalms 119 is full of them. Psalms 119 verse 11, it says, your word have I hidden in my heart. Why? Why did David hide God's word in his heart that I might not sin? Against you. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Did David miss it? Sure, he did. We know some of his blatant areas that he missed it. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart because he was quick to believe God and he was quick to repent. And I believe that one reason he had one of those, those characteristics is because he said, I'm going to hide your word in my heart. Putting God's word in our heart is a weapon against sinning. Didn't he say that? I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word would, you know why? Because when that word is in our heart, it's going to rise up. And it will say to us, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't go there. It's a weapon keeping us living a holy and a sanctified life. Didn't Jesus say he prayed for us? He said, Lord, he said, Father, sanctify them through your truth. The word 
is the truth. The word will help us stay on the right track and not miss it over and over and over again. Hide the word of God in our hearts in abundance. And it will having the word of God in our hearts in abundance will affect what comes out of our heart. Doesn't the Bible say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak up. So if you find yourself saying all sorts of words that are contrary to the word, get along with God and say, I'm going to change that. I got a bunch of stuff in here that shouldn't be in here. Out of one person said it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. So what's in here in abundance is going to come out. If you're finding yourself saying a bunch of fear-filled words. There is fear in the atmosphere in our nation right now. But don't let it get in you. There's strife. There's division. There's worry. All of that stuff is available to us. But let's be like David and say, I'm going to hide the word of God. In my heart. One translation. I think it was a CEB. The Christian English Bible said. I'm going to keep the word close. That's good. I like keep that. the word keep it close. close. That means I'm not going to put it way off out here. That it's going to not be a priority in my life. I'm keeping it close. Close in my heart. Close. In my mouth, hallelujah, because I treasure and I hold it dear unto me. And another thing that the psalmist David said about the word. He said, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. Again, in Psalms 119, I think that's the longest chapter in the Bible, but it is so full of powerful truths. Verse 105 of Psalms 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I like it in the message, that verse. It says this, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. By your word. That's a weapon. I see where I'm going. Having light in the midst of darkness can be the difference between winning or losing. Having light in the midst of a dark situation can be the difference between stumbling and falling or staying secure in the path of the righteous. We've got the light of the glorious gospel. We got the light of the word of God and it throws a beam on our path and we can see clearly. Wasn't there a song I can see clearly now? Whatever. We can see clearly in the presence of the Lord and his Word. We don't have to stumble around in the dark and fall into the same traps of the enemy over and over and miss it in the same area over and over. Because of the word, I can see 
where I'm going. And you know what else that tells me? The word gives us vision. Yes, that's good. Vision. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But when you have knowledge of the word, you don't have to be destroyed. When you have knowledge of the word, you can see God's will, God's plan. Vision comes in the light. Hallelujah. Walk in the light. We're not children of the darkness. We are children of the light. And we're called to walk in the light. Amen. How many of you are committed to walk in the revelation knowledge of the word of God? With that kind of commitment, we are not going to just survive. We are going to thrive. Even in the midst of tests and trials. I want to read you one more scripture in Psalms. This is Psalms 18. Verse 30 through 33 in the Amplified. As for God, His way is perfect. The Word. Here we're talking about the Word. The Word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in Him. The Word is what? It's tested and it's tried. You can't lose with the weapon that we use. The weapon of the Word of God. Years ago, a minister was at the altar, I think, and this lady had a Bible up there, and he he kept seeing her turning her Bible, and by these scriptures that were highlighted, he saw a big T-P, T-P. And so curiosity got to him after a while, and he said, why do you have... TP written by all of these scriptures. And she said, oh, that means tried and proven. (laughs) Hallelujah. This scripture said his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. But I have a question for you. Have you tried and proven the word? Have you as an individual, have we put the word to the test of time? It will stand the test of time. There has not failed one word that has come out of his mouth. Whatever he has said, it shall come to pass. The Bible says that his word is not going to return void unto him. What does that mean? Not only has he spoken his word, but he wants us to speak his word and return it unto him. When we speak his word and return it unto him, it's not going to show up void. It's going to produce tremendous results. Hallelujah. Now let's keep reading here in Psalms 18 verse 31. For who is God except the Lord? Or who is the rock save our God? The God who guards me with strength and makes my way perfect. Now listen to this one. I love this. Verse 33. He makes my feet like hinds feet. Able to stand firmly and make progress on the dangerous heights of testing and trouble. He securely sets me, he sets me securely upon my high places. As I was reading this, this is what came to me and I wrote it down. Sure 
sure-footed. We will be sure-footed when we are standing on the Word. Standing on the promises, we cannot fail. And not only will we stand firm and secure, but we will also make progress. Make progress when we're standing on the Word of God. And we can, when the enemy brings those hindrances and those tests and those trials come at us, the devil, he throws this stuff our way, we can use them as a stepping stone. Yes. Stepping stone. He said, he sets me securely upon my high places. So those things that were meant to beat you down and to defeat you to say oh good now I got something to step on so I can go up higher hallelujah he causes us to make progress on the dangerous heights of testing and trouble he sets me securely on my high places hallelujah we are going higher folks we're not staying the same we're going higher and higher in God we're taking the word hallelujah which is a sword. It's a weapon, a powerful weapon. And we're using the word and we're making progress. Glory to God. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. We are making progress. Glory be to God.